morning. Uh, um, last week, or well, no, a couple of weeks ago, Tim shared something about um, changing his view of living with a purpose or the difference between living for a, a purpose or living with purpose. And um, I'm here because uh, although I'm old enough to be a champion, God is still challenging my thoughts too about some of the things that I have believed for a long time. So uh, this morning I'm going to share with you uh, an old theme which I have found a new light on and hopefully uh, you'll find it um, of value. So what I want to talk about is um, the pursuit of God. Now previously when I've heard people talk about the pursuit of God or thought about the pursuit of God, it's about the things that I have to do to pursue God. It's the spiritual disciplines, it's the prayer, it's the whatever that I have to do. But I recently have had that turned on its head. The pursuit of God, in my mind, is now the pursuit that God has of us. And the fact that God is pursuing us, is, is chasing us, is finding us, is looking for us. And the, the initiative is with God. It's not with me. The initiative is with God to find me and talk to me. And as I thought about it, I looked through uh, the Bible from the, from the, right from the beginning to Revelation, and this theme is there from the Garden of Eden to Revelation. So I'm just going to walk through some of that, and I'm just going to also share about how that has then changed my thought of, of who I am myself, how it's deepened my understanding of what the cross is about, and it's changed my view of how I view other people. So, the Old Testament is full of people to whom God appeared and spoke to, that God pursued and found. And it starts really in the Garden of Eden with God coming down to Adam and Eve and walking with them in the cool of the evening, which is a, a fantastic image. Um, but even after they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he came down and called to them and said, where are you? And I believe that God is calling to all of us, where are you, all the time. And not just to us who are here, but I think God is calling to everybody, where are you? And if you look in the Old Testament, some people uh, were actually in the temple when God appeared to them and spoke to them. But there were others who were just doing things like doing their day-to-day job, and God turned up and spoke to them. Some people had a explosive encounter with God. There were burning bushes, there were visions in the sky. And other people, it was a quiet, still voice that they heard. And I think the thing is that there is no pattern that we can discern for this, but God pursues us all in the way that is most appropriate for us in his view. And that looks different for each of us. So, this pursuit of, of God is not like um, being stalked. It's like goodness and mercy following you every day of your life, as it says in Psalms. It's like those programs on TV where they reunite people who've lost family and don't know where they've come from back to their family. It's like being reunited with a good friend it's like being um, 
a child lost in a crowd finding its parents again. So God looking is looking for us all the time. And so as I said, you know, um, it's clear in Genesis 3 uh, that God appeared in the, in the garden in the evening to talk to Adam and Eve and they were hiding because they were ashamed, as we all are often ashamed. And God called out, you know, come out, where are you? And God has continued that call through every generation. In Proverbs 9, it says, Wisdom has built her house. She set up seven pillars, and she sent out her servants. She calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come into my house. Though have no, for those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. So the call is not just to those of us who might think we are wise. The call is to everybody. And when it talks about... Um, being simple, it, it, it usually refers to being morally um, not so clever uh, in the Old Testament. So God is calling to everybody. Um, the Song of Solomon is a really interesting example of, of uh, a love song between a, um, a man and woman. But also I think it encompasses some of the heart of God where he talks in the Song of Solomon about going out in the streets looking for the beloved, calling, asking the watchman, have you seen him? Have you seen him? And we are all being pursued like that by a lover, someone who loves us. Um, there's another interesting uh, thing in Hosea where Hosea was commanded to go and marry a woman. And she was actually a, a prostitute, a temple prostitute. And she ran back to the temple. And Hosea was commanded to chase after her and redeem her with 15 shekels of silver and bring her back. And, and the truth is we have all uh, run away to places that we shouldn't go. And God has redeemed us all. And as we had heard from Psalm 139 not so long ago, you know, where can you flee from God? And, you know, Philippa talked about the grave this morning. And it says, even if I descend to Sheol, you are there. So even in those points of grave, of, of, of the grave in our life, those points of death, God is calling us to the, even in those points. And then if we move on to, to uh, the New Testament, there's plenty of stories about how God is searching for us. And three obvious ones are uh, in Matthew 15, one after the other, um, about the lost coin. So the woman with um, 10 silver coins and she loses one down the back of the sofa or somewhere and then cleans the house in order to find it. And then there's the sheep who wanders away and gets caught. And then there's the parable of the prodigal son. They are all parables about God's unending search for us. And he will go wherever it takes to find us. And yeah. uh, whatever state we're in. So we might be like the lost coin stuck down the back of the sofa, sitting in the dark and the dust, uh, really not doing very much and not even aware of the uh, existence of God. And he still puts his hand down to grab us. We may be like a really stupid sheep, and we have some sheep, so I feel strongly about their stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> 
he might, we might be like a really stupid sheep stuck in a gorse bush of our own making. But he still goes and pulls us out. Or we might be like the prodigal son wallowing in the pig pen. But he still comes to us, runs to us. The interesting thing about that story is that um, when he sees his son coming back from the pig pen, he doesn't tell him to go and have a shower first. The first thing he does is embraces him and then put his robe and his ring on him. If it was my son, I might want him to just pause for a minute, have a shower, and then I might embrace him. And, but God doesn't require us to, to have the mud of the pig pen off us before he embraces us. He, he, uh, he will embrace us no matter where he finds us. Um, Jesus himself lived this out as well. Um, the Samaritan woman, the w- woman who was um, socially isolated, marginalised because of her morality, and uh, he went and found her by the well. The tax collector who was a collaborator with the Roman occupiers, he went and found him and had a meal with him. He found Roman centurions, he found a, a Phoenician woman, he found a man living in a graveyard tormented by demons. Jesus went and found all those people. Those weren't chance encounters. He went and found them and took his face to those people. So, as I reflect on all of this, it, it, it challenges uh, my view of myself, it challenges my view of, of uh, the cross, it challenges my view of other people. The first thing about myself... Um, it is easy to get the idea, certainly in the churches I've been in, that it's all about my effort. The truth is, the initiative is with God. The initiative is with God. I do have to make a response when he calls to me, and there are things to do. But God is driving the show. It's not me. I'm not working hard in order to make this happen. It's God who's driving the show. And God knew before I was born, as it said in the Psalms, that he would, who I was going to be and it would seek me out. And I find that amazing that from the beginning of time, God has identified each one of us and has been seeking each one of us. Uh, however, that looks different for each of us. The, the second thing is I am valuable. I am a gold coin or a silver coin. I am a sheep. I am a son. And... I think that's a really important thing to hang on to, that we are valued in the sight of God. Yes. And as I said before, even if I'm sitting in the dark and the dust in the back of a sofa not doing anything, even if I've got tangled up in stupid things like I'm stupid sheep, or even if I've been wallowing in the mud, God is still there wanting to engage me wanting to show his face to me, wanting to embrace me and wanting a response from me. It's also deepened my view of the cross. Uh, I think the cross and Jesus' death and resurrection is, is one of the most significant or the most significant event in human history or in all, all history, probably not just human history. And I think there are many ways of looking at the cross and I think that we will spend eternity exploring 
the depth and magnitude of magnificence of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And in the Bible, there are various images applied to that. One is that it's a sacrifice to end the sacrificial system of the Jews. The second is that it's a debt paid, what I call the accounting model. Um, the third is it's a, it's a military triumph, and a triumph ascended to heaven with many captives, um, as it says in Romans 2. Another way of looking at it is a way of us moving from um, slavery into sonship and, and uh, citizenship in God's family. There's a gardening analogy. It's a way of being grafted into the true vine. Um, when we look at it in the view of God's pursuit, the cross is the extent to which God will chase us. He will chase us to the grave. He will not give up. He will chase us to the grave and beyond. And he will chase us into, as we've said before, into our graves, but also into his grave. He will not give up chasing us. Um, there are some interesting verses there about Jesus going down to Sheol and preaching to the, the souls down there, which we we'll, won't get into because <laughs> I don't really understand it at all. But the point is that Jesus will pursue us to, his gra- to the grave and will not give up. The other thing that's challenged is my view of other people. And in the churches I've spent time in in the past, we've we've talked a lot about what I would what I've already alluded to as the accounting analogy of the of the um, of the cross, which I think contains some very profound truths. But it can lead to what I have seen as what I would call the golden ticket mentality, that we have the golden ticket. Now we we know we didn't earn it. But we can feel a wee bit smug and superior because we have a golden ticket and they don't. What this, looking at the pursuit of God, says to me is God is in pursuit of everybody. Not just me, not just those of us here, but everybody. God is in pursuit of everybody. And when I look at somebody, the only judgment I'm allowed to make for them is this is someone who God will pursue to the grave. And that he will not give up on them, even if I might give up on them. So even those I love and I wonder about, God is pursuing those. Even those I don't love uh, very much, (laughs) it changes my attitude because I recognise that they are a person that God is pursuing, just as he has pursued me. And it doesn't matter what their situation is. It doesn't matter if they're sitting in the cold and dark not doing anything. It doesn't matter if they're tangled in uh, gorse bushes of their own doing. It doesn't matter if they're wallowing in mud somewhere. God is in pursuit of them. And so this has really um, challenged my, my thinking quite a lot. And I think the, the first thing is the initiative is not with me. And for those of us who tend to be a wee bit achievement orientated, we can think we're going to do it all. But our bit is just to respond to our voice, our name being called by God. That's all we need to do, turn our face towards God when he does call our name. He does all the rest and he takes it from there. Yes, we do have to listen and respond and move, 
But really, he's driving the show. And that, I find that tremendously um, reassuring, because I wouldn't want to be driving. Um, <laughs> and, and the second thing is that sometimes I do have trouble sensing the presence of God. I, I, to be honest, I don't sense the presence of God all the time. Uh, but I do find it easier to believe that God is just around the corner calling for me. If I can stop and think, well, I can't sense him here, but I know he's around this place calling for me, then I find that much easier. And it has caused me to really reconsider my attitude to other people sometimes, to recognise that they are someone who God is pursuing to the grave. And then there's a lot to think about, about this magnificence of the cross, how, how, how much greater it is than we can get our heads around. And any image or any idea that we use is only a very poor reflection of our human brains trying to understand this magnificent event that is probably the most significant thing that's happened since the creation of the world. So I, I, I think that, that God wants to say to some of us here, you are valuable, you are pursued, and there is no length to which God will not go for you. And there is no length to which he will not go for those who you love and care about. So uh, shall we pray? Father, we just really thank you that, that the initiative is with you. It always was. You created the world, you set the world spinning, and then you sought us. You created us and then you came to find us. And you will follow us anywhere and everywhere in order to call our names and have us turn to face you. Even to your own death, you followed us. And we thank you that there is no place that we can be which is not in your presence. And that wherever we are, you are with us. Amen.